I'm Ashley. I'm Lauren. And this is Whispers in the Basement. Happy Friday, take 2.5, honestly. Oh, I thought you were going to say 275. I mean, it kind of felt like that. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been messing with our, well, scratch that, sniff here. Let's start from the beginning. We started to record this. And our decibels were too high. And so we had to delete that and start all over again. And we did good the second time. I left my laptop. I came back and it was gone. Completely erased. Four hours later. As if it never existed. Gone. So we have been sitting here messing with our sound for, I would say, close to 30 minutes. Yeah. We got to the point where we were singing um, the... Spongebob song where um, he is taking the Krusty Krab pizza through the desert kind of thing. Riding the like, rocks. They were riding the rocks. Yes. Um, that was my favorite episode. So here we are. We're going to pretend like we have said all of this for the first time. Yeah. So you're going to act just as shocked this time as you did the first time. Absolutely. And I'm going to try to keep the same commentary. Yep. And the question that you're getting ready to ask me, I'm going to act like I've never been asked before. (laughs) So I'm hoping that each week I can find some kind of funny question to ask Ashley. I don't actually think this is funny, but interesting. (laughs) I was going to say, but this is not a funny question. (laughs) All right. So Ashley, what would be your death row meal? Fettuccine Alfredo. But you notice how quickly I said that? It's because I've answered it twice before. But... (laughs) Let me elaborate. So I would want it made by a real Italian. Like, like a, a the, Nona. Is that what their grandmas are called? Yeah, a I I wanted to be called Nani. Nani? That's yeah. so cute. That's what I want my grandma name to be is Nani. A guy I dated in high school had a uh, grandma and he always called her Nona. Oh, was he Italian? I don't know how Italian he was, <laughs> okay. but it was a cute name. <laughs> it is a very cute name. I love it. So, yes, a Nona. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, real pasta, real sauce, not Olive Garden style, which I'm not dogging Olive Garden because girl can get down on it. But you can also make a better Alfredo at home. Oh, 100%. And mm-hmm. I have. It's good. Um, and keep the chicken. I don't want no chicken. I just want the straight carbs. We're not counting macros today, people. No, for all you <laughs> macro counters. Um, I would not do breakfast. So like you had said before, would you do breakfast, lunch, and dinner? No. I'm not a breakfast eater. Like I, I am, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I can go without it. Same. Because I drink a lot of coffee. Absolutely. So, um, but I would want a dessert. And my favorite dessert, I'm so plain. It's a strawberry cake. Um, so with strawberry that, icing, does that stem from your childhood or was I think, it? I think so. So we talked about this one other time about, okay, so like what were your favorite flavors of like Jolly Ranchers or even water packets? Like what color do you gravitate towards? I gravitate towards gray. Ew. I know. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I like reds. So I like strawberry, watermelon, Cherry. Cherry. Those are my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also another reason why I like strawberry cake. Because I just like all the red dye number five that you can inject my body with. Right. Yeah, that's true. I was not a, a grape 
blue raspberry lemon lime fan. Uh... We don't do blue raspberry in my house because Seth will not participate in that, so... Grossy. I know. I agree. Seth, he's right on track. That's grossy. <laughs> um, so now my question for you right. is, if you could go back to any era, what era would you go back to? Um, the era that Frank Sinatra was in his prime. Okay, so the 50s. He is a dapper fella. And I would love for him to serenade me with Fly Me to the Moon. I keep, I'm trying to play the song in my head and it's not coming to me. I oh, wait. Go. Maybe it is. It's like, Fly Me to the Moon. Nope. I'm thinking of, um, come fly with me. Let's fly. We'll fly. Is that the same song? Maybe it's just in Honestly, a different part. it might be. And this is going to be so embarrassing if somebody's like, duh. Yeah. It's fine. We're just going to go with it. I'm ill-educated when it comes to Frank Sinatra. I just know that he's called Old, old Blue Eyes. Yes. Because he had very pretty eyes. hmm There is a documentary on him. I feel like it was on Netflix. Um, I'll have to tell you what it was so you can watch it. Yes. Um, but I don't... I mean, he was kind of attractive, but... Um, Gosh, he was just so classy. See, I liked... Go ahead. <laughs> I liked Paul Newman. Um, which we learned in the uh, third, second take of this that uh, Paul Newman um, is the owner of Newman's own salad dressing. So do yourself a favor. If you don't know what young Paul Newman looks like, Google him. Because oh, that man. Cool hands, Luke. Beautiful. Oh, he was gorgeous. But does not look anything like the picture that is depicted on the salad dressing. No. And honestly... I thought it was a farmer on the <laughs> bottle. Of the oh my god! But um, it was Paul Newman in a chef's coat, so I was thoroughly mistaken. But you know, next time I'm at Walmart and I'm looking for a specific dressing, I might try Newman's own. Now. Oh, he was he was gorgeous back in the day. Um, yeah, I like the fifties. Uh, 50, I think that was the fifties time frame. Yeah, because it was like I'm going with it. I don't actually know. I think it was mm-hmm. um, maybe even in the early sixties, but uh, I get caught in between. I like the twenties. Mm-hmm. I like the architecture. I I know this sounds so stupid, but I love going to big cities or even just to like. There's a ton of little towns just across the border in Iowa that have some of the prettiest homes mm-hmm. and um churches that have been built and i just love looking at the architecture um and i like the architecture from that time frame i actually think i did some research on it after i went to the fox theater and i think it's called deco oh yeah like art deco love it yeah love it um so i like the 20s um for the architecture and also because the music i like 20s music and you're looking at me because you want me to say it. Because you want me to say I love a good flapper. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, I just think they're so beautiful. Did you ever dress up as one for Halloween? <laughs> yes, you bitch. I did. <laughs> uh, I wish I could show you the dress. My mother made this. And not that the dress was bad. It was the person that it was on. And you were probably like in fourth grade or something like this. I was actually graduated from high school, but I still. Right. Your mom was coming in clutch. Della, why did you not make me costumes? I'm pretty sure I was outside of high school. Yeah. And she also made me, I'm going to say this. And no, I didn't look like the poop emoji. But I dressed up 
<laughs> I dressed up as a Hershey Kiss. I think that was the last year I went trick-or-treating for real. Okay, so the reason she said that she didn't look like a poop emoji is because <laughs> I was imagining a naked Hershey Kiss. <laughs> um, I was not imagining the silver-wrapped one. I even had the hat. Like, I had a... Okay. Like a hat that was it like looked, made of foil? So it wasn't made of foil. It was made of like, I don't, she's probably, I don't even know if my mom listens to this, but if she does, she's going to be like, Ashley, it was called, but <laughs> I don't remember what the material was called, but it's very like, feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, she made me a hat. Sort of. Yeah. But she made a silver hat that went with it that resembled like the Tin Man. <laughs> and then it had like this white piece of felt that came out of it and it said Hershey. That's adorable. It was really one of the high school. No, no, no. That one happened. That was the last year I went trick or treating. The flapper. (laughs) Just some random eighteen year old walking around in a Hershey kiss outfit. Wow. No, I was in like sixth grade, I think, uh, when I dressed up like that one. Uh, You loser. Um, But I also love the sixties and seventies. Very hippie. Oh, yeah. You're a hippie to your core, though. I am. You're a lover. Oh, is that what a hippie is? Is a lover? I mean, don't they want, like, peace? Yeah, free love or whatever, Mm -hmm. I guess. I just, like, I don't know. I think I I look back on that time, too. But I also look back on, like, the 90s, like, when I was young Mm -hmm. and think, like, I think I just get really nostalgic about that time because it seemed so less complicated. Oh, I love, like, um, reminiscing on... Like, the 90s, especially, like, the 90s Christmas theme. Oh, yeah. Because, see, I grew – like, we didn't have internet until I was in high school. And so I grew up kind of, like, in between, I would say, your era, like, yeah. your generation and my mom's generation where we didn't have cell phones. I didn't get my first cell phone until I was 16. And I didn't get my first smartphone until I was in my 20s. And we just came home when somebody yelled for you mm-hmm. or you were given a time and you just had to make sure you were, you wore a watch. You had to make sure you were home by that time or they were calling your friend's house to find you. Right. So I think I just get reminiscent about times like that when things were just Way more. Yeah. I don't want to say pure because there was a lot of bad things happening then too. I think maybe my mind was just more pure. I wasn't, I didn't know it was really taking place, but it just, things just seemed a lot simpler. Well, and we weren't being fed a 24 hour news cycle no. that was connected to your phone, which was connected to you directly all day, every day. And for being honest, I miss the days of MTV, man. Oh my gosh. Yes. Total request live. Daria. I loved Daria. Do you um, remember the hot five at nine? Yes. Gosh, Room Raiders. Did you ever watch Oh, Room loved Raiders? Room Raiders. Loved True that. Life. My six, My Sweet Sixteen. Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> Those were good days, Those man. Those were the good days. Also, um, this episode is fueled by High Noons and Wine. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I thought we've already announced that. No, that was like the... Yeah, so if, you've, like, if you hear a clink, clink... That's my wine bottle going back to my glass to refill me up. Because, again, it's been a shit week. And Lauren is – and I may even crack a high noon before yeah. we're over and done with this. I, I don't even know. I a box at Bratch Nasty before I came. <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're just living our best life literally in a basement. We record this in a basement because – Yeah, we're not lying about that. No. It's a vibe, though, honestly. We have, like, a tapestry, some LED lights. Yeah. We got we a, a skeleton. skeleton. <laughs> we need to name him. Maybe it's Franco. Do you like that name? Yeah, I just, like, threw name. it out there. 
Yeah, that's a good name. Franco. Franco. Cool. Okay, well, I will get started on today's episode then, So, because it's my turn. Yeah, it is. This episode is a mystery to this day. It could be murder, could be suicide, could be accident. I'm going to tell you the deets behind it, and then we'll talk about each possibility, and it is up to you to decide what you think. It's almost like one of those interactive Netflix series. You know, as I was writing the notes on this, it kind of made me feel like I was writing notes on Clue. Oh, yeah. That's actually really... Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of what I felt like. Mm-hmm. So, it takes place in uh, Old Hollywood, because I love an Old Hollywood. She is a huge fanatic for Old Hollywood stories. And it takes place in the 30s, so I... Yeah, I, I did a lot of, like, uh, research on pictures and stuff of this gal, and... I just want to say, like, I I have to, I love looking at old pictures of old Hollywood actresses because they just look so flawless and beautiful. Compared to what we have today, everything just seems so fake and filtered, I guess. Mm-hmm. And these gals just looked gorgeous. I also feel like even outside of just the Hollywood, like the old pictures of like, you know, if you were to have a picture of a, your great grandma, mm-hmm. she just looked stunning even if she didn't fit like the societal like pretty standards back in the day like the pictures then are just so much like beauty was on a whole new level then yes then now but i also have to remind myself when i look at pictures of actresses in hollywood during that time that behind that picture is probably a really dark story oh absolutely because hollywood is just so like controversial and awful. It still is to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So today's story is quite the mystery and who doesn't love a mystery? It takes place during what was said to be the golden age of Hollywood and to this day is still a matter of debate. Murder, accident, or suicide. The public became enamored with this story not only because of the beauty and the timeless face that death took so early, but also because of the secrets of her life that to this day still remain unknown. This is the story of Thelma Hot Toddy Todd. Mm, I do love a good hot toddy. I've never had a hot toddy. Oh my gosh, really? Okay, well, when you get sick this this winter, because I know you will. Is it better than wa... Wassel? Yeah. No, what's, it's not. <laughs> why are you looking at... What's in wassel? Okay, so wassel is like this spiced mold wine, um... Seth's family, every year at deer camp, they make it, and he drove one year to a family friend's house, and we had wassail, and I was like, I drank like four cups. I did not know that there was straight Captain Morgan in this. Oh, girl. So, I was like, I mean, I was just chugging it, because it's like so sweet and spicy, and it just like warms you from the inside. And so, we get in the truck, and I tell Seth, I'm like, man, I'm feeling good, and he was like... Yeah, Lauren, because there's... I've never had it. Yeah, no, I had no idea, but yes, it's good. They also do, like, you put, like, Red Hots. Oh. Yeah, so I mean... Love Red Hots. It's so good, dude. We'll have to make it. Okay, yeah. It's on the agenda. Mm -hmm. Uh, So December 16th, 1935, police were called to the lavishly built Italian Gothic villa Castello de Mer, where in the garage, located in the front seat of her Lincoln Phaeton, the body of Thelma Todd was found, appeared to be sleeping. Her maid had been the one to locate her earlier that morning, 
while she was attempting to trade vehicles to run errands for the day. Thelma's Todd... Oh, wow. Words. Can you tell we're drinking? (laughs) Thelma's body lay slouched in the front seat with her head facing the driver's side door. She was still in her evening gown and mink coat from a party the night prior with a wilted flower pinned to her dress by a brooch. Her body showed no signs of harm, aside from the small traces of blood in her mouth and around her nose, and her legs appeared to be twisted in an unnatural position from the center of the seat towards the driver's side where her foot laid next to the gas pedal. The car, Todd's prized possession, had managed to shut off with a few gallons of gas still remaining in the tank. The scene looked pretty clear cut and dry as to what happened. Suicide. But the police findings in days leading up to Todd's death are days that cloud her mystery. Cloud her case with mystery. Oh no. Yeah. Thelma Todd was born July 29th, 1906 in Lawrence, Massachusetts to John Todd and Alice Elizabeth Edwards. Todd, the youngest, did have an older brother who passed away at the age of seven due to an accident leaving her as an only child. She lived a pretty decent childhood, attending school, and was said to be a bright and successful student where she was popular and served as a gossip correspondent in the gossip column of the school newspaper. Man, a gossip column? I don't know why, but I feel like this is something you would want to do. I absolutely would want to be the head of this. I love I bet you were like a Gretchen Wieners. Yes, was your I hair full drama, of secrets? But I was not the person that instigated it. I was always the person that people would come to to tell me, which is still very true to this day. People oh, 100%. love telling me stuff. You have and that I, personality that they're just like Lauren I, will listen. I feel comfortable tell I do too though. I mean, but I even with strangers, they'll like come up to me and they'll tell me their life story sometimes. And then my kids are looking at me like did you know that person? And I'm like, had no clue, man. Absolutely. They say it means you have a high vibration. Did you oh, know that? No, but that makes sense. Yeah, it's, they say it's because you give off a high vibration. And if you have a high vi- vibration, people also tend to stare at you a lot in public. And you have a really good connection with animals. I feel like I have a good connection with animals. I try not to and kids. if anybody stares at me. I get stared at a lot, but I think it's just because I have resting bitch face. You do. So I just assume people are looking at me and they're like, she's a sourpuss. I mean, once they get to know you, you're not. But the thing is, is like kids are never thrown off by me. It's adults. No. Yeah, it is absolutely adults. Yeah. Because kids just don't know those social cues. No, they absolutely, they've always gravitated towards me. It's weird. That is funny. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's a problem. I would eat that up. Oh, I know you would. I know you would. So although prone to chubbiness, which I hated to put that in here, but I had to because... She was chubby, but people still found her beautiful. Right. She was noticeably beautiful with her long golden hair. So that's something that she became very well known for was her golden hair. And her she had shorter hair the older she got. And they hung in like curls, like pink curls, like ringlets. Mm-hmm. So people recognized her by her golden hair. Prior to making it to Hollywood, she spent her time studying at the University of Massachusetts to be a school teacher as this is where she felt she would be successful, and at the time there was a real need in teachers. As a student, she would earn money as a model and often enter beauty pageants. In 1925, she won the title of Miss Massachusetts, and it was while representing her home state that she was spotted by a Hollywood talent scout who offered her a spot at the Paramount Players School. So the Paramount Players School was a small group of kids that were scouted and then placed in basically refinishing school to prep them into what was hoped to be a success for Hollywood. They studied in arts, did a lot of acting, and they 
they had a lot of these in in California too, where they it, they would teach them about manners and they learned dialect and things like that. So they knew because I think the Atlantic, um, it's called Translanian trans. There was some sort of dialect. If you watch movies from like the fifties, forties, and fifties, you will hear how those transatlantic maybe what it is oh, dialect okay. yeah. they talk different, and that was actually a dialect that they taught in these schools. Um, so during her time in this school, uh, Todd would learn the arts of movie making, and most students upon graduation would earn a one-year contract with Paramount. Todd's offer, though, was exclusive, and it actually extended from one to five years. Oh, so well, she was good, good. Yeah, she was good, good. And girl had the look. She mm-hmm. lost a bunch of weight, and she had the look. Um, so when she... When she had this um, offer, it actually had a beginning salary of $75 a week that first year. And it increased up to $500 a week by her fifth year. Wow. So if you do the conversion, today it would be the same equivalent as making $1,200 a week your first year. And then up to $8,200 a week by your fifth year. That is actually a huge pay increase it a hundred percent man that's all that's crazy that would be hard to give up also oh yeah so the students also had roles in a small film comedy and it was this film that todd really worked the field to make herself stand out above all ever others she would appear in person at several movie houses and really just soak up the attention that was to be drawn from being in this small spotlight so uh pr basically yeah was what she was doing for herself. And this wasn't something that was very common back in the day. So with, She didn't have her own publicist, really. She correct. Was she publicist. was being her own. Yeah. So with this film, the students would then tour the Midwest and the South to promote the film. And in, and upon the end of this 13-week uh, tour, they would end in Hollywood, where they'd become part of Paramount Studio stock. So they would sign on with Paramount for upcoming films. Okay. So during the next two years, Todd made films with Paramount in both New York and Hollywood. And um, she was pretty ambitious, often pushing herself to get the role she would set her eyes on. And if she didn't, she would worry about who got that role. Making the move to Hollywood had her living in a small bungalow apartment with her mom since her father's passing. And her mother seemed to really be by her side throughout her entire adult life. So they did a lot together. She was like the Kris Jenner. Of her generation. Yes. Yes. She never really seemed to struggle with winning any roles that came up and played opposite of many large stars of the time, such as William Powell, um, Walter Pigeon, and Richard Dix. I do not know any of them other than Richard Dix. Uh, Walter Pigeon played in Funny Man. Richard Dix was the older gentleman out of Mary Poppins that was the sad guy, and they showed up and made him, they sang the song and made him laugh, and they ended up on the ceiling. Do you remember him? That was, uh, that's Richard Dix. Wait, did you mean funny man or did you mean funny girl? Oh, funny girl. Did I say funny man? Yeah, you did. I totally meant funny girl. Yeah, so Walter Pigeon starred in Funny Girl. Oh, okay. So Never seen it. So if you haven't it. seen it, you need to w- definitely listen to the soundtrack of the musical that Leah Michelle Oh, okay. Was in. It's really good. I did drive home listening to show tunes the other night, so maybe I need to do that. That would be very fitting. Um... Dakota would be very disappointed in you. I'm sorry, Dakota. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so while on loan from Paramount, 
Todd was cast in films that impressed First National Pictures executives who then purchased her contract. So she was bought out. Okay. So it was during this time that she was also working with other studios uh, such as Columbia and United Artists where she worked in silent version in the silent version of Hell's Angel. Todd had the part of the leading lady, but due to prior commitments, she was forced to pull out of this, which then landed the lead with Jean Harlow. And the movie was then remade into a talkie. So a lot of Todd's first uh, movies that she did were silent films. So you're coming into the time where uh, they hadn't added audio yet. So initially she started doing silent films and then she got into talkies. That's what they're called. So in the spring months of 1929, Todd started working for Hal Roach Studios, where she was cast in Laurel and Hardy's first talkie short, Unaccustomed As We Are. This is where Todd really made her mark on the film industry. Laurel and Hardy, they're slapstick comedies, so they're very comparable to the Three Stooges. So she was funny. Oh, yeah. she and I mean, even when she was in the player's school, their film was a comedy. So she thrived yeah, and that's what she specialized in. yes yeah so um she ended up signing a five-year contract with hal roach studios where she was partnered up with zazu pitts who was another female actress at the time to recreate the laurel and hardy comedies but for females so very similar to like an i love lucy okay uh, shorts were often depicted as a bumbling young woman who was friends with the streetwise assertive girl it also made me think of What's the two girls that are in New York? You know oh, what I'm talking about? No, is it two broke girls? Yes. Oh, so yep. funny. That's I what it made me think of. I was actually looking up this week where to watch it, but you had to have YouTube TV or something. Unfortunately, it wasn't on HBO Max. Blasphemy. I know. You didn't want to pay for YouTube TV again? No, it's like sixty-five dollars. <laughs> Gas prices, man. We gotta, we gotta budget. I mean, maybe if like this podcast takes off, I could justify it. But so I have to tell you that I watched a short uh, film of Laurel and Hardy's. Yeah, how was it? I mean, you know, comedy has changed throughout the years, so it wasn't like super funny to me, but it was very interesting to see what had been funny back then. Absolutely, it's yeah, like, just to see the change. Yeah, it's like low-level funny for me. It's like something that would be funny for like a 10-year-old now. But it was <laughs> yeah. like super funny for adults back then. Uh-huh. But something that also came up that I, I made Aaron watch it. And I was like, do you think this is how it really was? So they are driving in a vehicle. And one of them says, do you want to listen to music? And so he turns music on and they're singing. And then all of a sudden the music stops. Mm-hmm. And they stop the vehicle in the middle of the road. Got to remember, this is like when vehicles were first made. So there's not a lot of traffic. But they stop in the middle of the road. They lift up. Because at the time, the hoods didn't come up. They, like, lifted up from the sides. You had, like, one side and the other side. They lift up one side. There's a fucking record player. No way. Swear to God. I don't know if this is. Is that real? I don't know. I tried to look it up and couldn't ever really find anything. But I just thought. I don't know if it was meant to be funny, like, ha, 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 there's a record there's player. a record player in there. Or if that was really how they used to listen to music in their car. Iconic if it was. Yeah, for real. So, um, so yeah, so most of her career was centered around comedy, comedy, comedical, whatever, shorts. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she did express an interest in larger roles and more dramatic roles so it was in 1931 when she played opposite of chester morris in roland's 
uh, in Roland West's film, Corsair. Do you know who Chester Morris is? No. No. Um, have you ever seen the movie The Divorcee? Okay, so I love that movie. It's in black and white. Okay. Um, and it's about a guy and a girl that get married and things don't work out. I think she actually thinks he's having an affair on her. And they end up getting divorced. And then for a couple of years, they both, like, play the field. She, I don't remember if she ends up engaged or something like that. But in the end, they realize that they should have never got divorced to begin with. Aww. Um, if you go up into, like, where I do all of my makeup... Her pick, the one of the the lead female actress from that movie is on my wall. Okay, she's beautiful. So, um, and he was actually attractive awesome. too. Oh yeah. Um, so the film wasn't a huge hit, but it was a massive turning point in Todd's life. It was while working with Roland West on Catalina, Catalina Island that the two started to grow fond of each other. West was already married at the time, and believing this was a form of infatuation after filming, took to the sea with his wife. Jewel Carmen to try and quote unquote escape his feelings. Yeah, that's one way to do it, I guess. Just go get on a boat and be like, but is it? No, I don't think not. so. I mean, so was he alone? He was with his wife. So maybe it was like in hopes of rekindling what brought them together originally. Yeah, maybe like if she's out of sight, out of mind. My body, my mind, my, my body, <laughs> my <laughs> my mind works the exact opposites. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absolutely, because you'd be playing all the what ifs. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So while West was sailing the seas, Todd ended up playing the field. Mm. And she met a guy. His name was Pat DeChico, and he was the son of the Broccoli King. Why the Broccoli King? So his father was a big distributor of broccoli. Okay. Um, I think they were in New York. Well, so which the East makes Coast. sense because, like, the brassica vegetables, broccoli, grow really well in colder weather. Okay. I have no idea what you just said, but I, okay, like, I agree. So broccoli, What's up, brassica? It's the, the family... Coniferous? Like a coniferous? <laughs> Isn't that what it's called? Cruciferous? Cruciferous. Cruci- coniferous Cruci- is Cruciferous. a pine. Cruciferous. Yeah. Cruciferous. Coniferous is a pine. I saying carnivorous. <laughs> okay, so we were all, all sorts wrong. of wrong. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, well, anyways. Um, she ended up meeting him in the early spring of 1932. Pat had moved to Los Angeles to make money on his own to set him apart from his father, and the two ended up eloping. Even, or although they were one of Hollywood's best, brightest couples, best and brightest. Okay. Uh, the marriage only lasted 18 months until it ended in divorce. So was it like a messy divorce or? No, it was pretty amicable. Well, I say amicable. You were correct. I do not know what's going on with the tongue twisters today. But Todd stated. that silver dick wine. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she's drinking. (laughs) The silver dick. Um, Todd did state that the. Cause of the divorce was really conflicting careers, although she mentioned mistreatment, rude manner, and possible unfaithful- unfaithfulness on DeChico's part. So, although they divorced by late 1934, Todd and DeChico had patched up their relationship, and they were maintaining a friendship. So they did end up being friends in the end. Even though there were obvious issues, but I feel like every couple goes through that. Every marriage has its, its work. Mm-hmm. Every single day is work. I say that like it's awful, but... 
No. It's just work. Absolutely. There's always going to be some kind of conflict that you have to work through. Mm-hmm. And when you say conflict, you don't mean like screaming fights, but. I mean the fact that you're breathing loud. Absolutely. Or you eat with this weird, I don't know. Aaron, look out. <laughs> Why are you breathing so loud? So anyways, it was in 1930. 1930- okay, no, but so that first reminds me of <laughs> my grandma will never listen to this, so it's fine. Oh my God. <laughs> if this is a nanny story. There was one time that my mom <laughs> would point Hold on, I got to pour some more wine for this. <laughs> my mom one time was pointing out how nanny was breathing and... So she was like, why are you breathing so heavy? (laughs) And then there was one time that Seth looked at me and he said that. And I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, so you think that I'm my grandma? Oh, Lauren, no. (laughs) But, you know, it's just always those stories that, you know, bring you back to whenever somebody points out something. Yeah. I feel you, man. I feel you. You aren't anything like Nanny, though. I'm not. We should do a Friday drop of just nothing but Nanny stories. Oh, my God. That's trauma. Maybe it would heal my inner child. Some of them are so funny. The more recent ones are so funny. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we can... We don't need to go back to no, the no, last no. five years. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I can understand that. But yes. the more recent, the Facebook ones, I think, are the funny yes, ones the to Facebook me. the Facebook ones are the funniest. Um, so it was in 1934, however, that Todd then formed a partnership with Roland West. So remember Roland? He was her first dramatic se- or dramatic series, dramatic film. Um, the par- The one that didn't do very well, but he formed some feelings for her. She formed a partnership with him, and they went into business together. So Roland had gone into the food business with Todd on what was known as the Thelma Todd Sidewalk Cafe. Well, that's really random to go from acting to opening a restaurant. Yeah, so there's discussion later on about why. I think that people thought that maybe her career was – not doing so well. She did have a lot of upcoming films that she was to star in. Shorts, I guess. Mm-hmm. And she had signed a new contract with another with Hal Roach uh, Studios again. So it's not like her career was doing bad. I think she just felt like she needed something maybe more out of the out of the spotlight or stable. stable. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they went into business together. So this cafe sat along Roland West's Casta, oh my gosh, Castella Mare housing tract. So um, essentially, it was a hillside of land where Roland's house sat at the top of the hill with the garage below, and down at the bottom of the hill was Thelma Todd's cafe with her apartment bo- above. So the best way to explain this is it was, I mean, it's, it's L.A. It's Hollywood. Um, and everything there, I feel like it's in a hillside. Yeah, so I forced Ashley into um, watching Selling Sunset because I'm I'm upset. still going to finish. I'm still going to finish it. But it's trash TV, but I'm here for it's it. It's not the best trash TV. No, I mean, it kind of highlights the real estate, though, that happens in LA. It does. But, and I love looking at big, luxurious houses that I'll never, ever 
even be I, I will see them from a magazine but still I like i didn't even get into the open houses let's be honest girl they wouldn't even let me on the road no, <laughs> they'd be like sorry close off um <laughs> oh you wanted it. to you wanted to come to burgers and botox too bad sorry <laughs> but um everything's cut into the side of a hill so that's the way his property was so the the cafe sat at the bottom of the hill her apartment was actually above it, and there was an inn attached to it as well. And then behind it was a highway. Okay. And then up past that highway, further up the hill, was Roland West's home where there was a garage. So to get to each piece, though, there's stairs. There's concrete stairs that go from the cafe to the highway and then from the highway to Roland West's home. It's just a very large trek up the hillside. A good little jaunt that I cannot imagine. Well, I guess it's not like it gets so cold in LA. So still, you're you're walking uphill, man. Absolutely. I mean, if you walk, there were roads that led there, but for whatever reason, those stairs were put there for, for people to take. Yeah. So Thelma's cafe brought a new England cuisine to the West coast and often, and also offered uh, fine Italian dinners, London, and Paris dishes as well. West seemed to be the financial backing for the cafe and Todd the face, but many think that it was at this time that they were unable to deny the attraction between the two of them and started what looked to be an affair. Yikes. It was this apartment that Todd left from the night of December 14th. So remember, she was found on the 16th. Okay. She left that apartment on the 14th to attend a party at a very popular and A-listing club called the Trocadero. Roland and Thelma were said to be joking with each other upon her leaving about the time that she would return. Roland informed her that the doors would be locked by 2 a.m. and Thelma bantered back to 05. This was the last time Roland saw Thelma alive. So Todd attended a party of friends at the Trocadero on Saturday, December 14th where she was the guest of honor. She ate dinner and danced until the early hours of the morning. At the party, she was said to be in good company and happy to be attending. Friends and party throwers, the Lupinos and their actress daughter, Ida, said that the party started off at the bar and they remained there until a little after 10 p.m. where they moved upstairs to have a five-course dinner. I'm telling you, if if I went to a party and you were like, we have to wait till 10 p.m. to You'd eat You'd be dinner, pissed. I would be so... Hangry. I would be... Equally as mad as I was whenever we were at TGI Fridays at the airport. (laughs) If you don't know that story, go listen to episode two. Yeah, you would be hangry. But also a five-course dinner. I don't even know what that's like. Let's think about this. I would love to know. Appetizer, salad, dinner, dessert. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe like a palate cleanser, sorbet or something. What? Is that the ice cream? Yeah, but it's, like, usually, like, something that cleanses your palate. Yep. See, you're far. Nope. I don't even know what you're doing. Palate cleanser for me is water. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, Todd sat at the head of the table with an empty chair next to her. Take note of that. Empty chair next to her. Nearly every attendee of this party stated that Todd was happier than normal and the life of the party. They saw nothing in her manner to think anything was out of the ordinary or wrong with her. As the night drew to an end, Todd requested the Trocadero to phone Roland and let him know that she was on her way home. Partygoers still at this point claim that Todd was in a vivacious mood. It wasn't until she was in the coat room that she spoke to the wife of a friend when she was stated saying, don't let Hollywood change you. Just stay the same. Don't take any stock in what people tell you. Yikes, because I feel like 
even now people warn other people about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I used to think I wanted to be famous, and now I look back on it, and I'm like... I look at the hate that the influencers get, and I'm like, I... Girl, nope. there's this one Instagram that I follow. You're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. It's a mom and her son. <laughs> yes. I am so obsessed with them. I just love them because they're positive. But she gets so much hate for even just saying, I use this product. People think she's being sponsored. And you know what? If she is, who cares? Literally, get It's none back. of your business. Mm-hmm. If you don't want the product, skip. Just skip that. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. And they the, some of the comments are just so hateful. I just feel like we're in a really dark point. Well, you can... It's so easy to be a keyboard warrior. Absolutely. It's just stupid. But anyways. Um, so... She gathered her things and left the Trocadero via the limousine driver that was awaiting her. The driver, who had driven her a handful of times in the past, stated that this evening was a bit different than prior. She sat very quiet in the back seat, whereas she would normally chatter his ear off until dropped off. This particular evening, Todd gave instructions to drive as fast as he could to get her home, running all of the stops, and spoke nothing more during the drive. The driver later recalled she was stone sober and didn't exactly seem glum, but just didn't seem herself. Upon dropping her off at the cafe stairs where Todd would climb to the door of her apartment, the driver asked if she wanted him to wait, and she instructed she would be fine and he could leave. This was the only time the driver did not escort her to her apartment door. I feel like any crime, not really any crime, but I feel like a lot of the podcasts and crime stories that we listen to, it's always that one that time. one time mm-hmm. that something goes differently. Yep. So the driver left her. He circled around the side of the building, catching the highway that went behind the cafe, and glanced back to watch Thelma Todd continue to climb the stairs to her apartment entry door. He watched as the wind blown through her hair and continued driving up the highway. This is the last person to see Todd alive. So Monday morning's discovery of Todd raised a lot of questions amongst the police as well as the tabloids. With her maid being the one to find her, Roland West, Todd's mother, and Pat DeChico were also on the scene a short while after discovery and visibly distraught about the situation. Her mother, who had been by her side for many years, was beside herself, and West, who at first seemed pretty calm, showed intensified emotions upon removal of Todd's body from the scene later Monday afternoon. West had informed the authorities that Todd had never returned home that evening from the Trocadero as he had been up to let the dog out and locked the door behind him. The first authorities on site had deemed Todd's death as carbon monoxide poisoning. Her skin was bright red, was a bright red discoloration, which indicates um, carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, Roland West's personal physician also arrived on the scene later in the day and suggested that Todd had actually suffered a heart attack. West and Todd's uh, West and Todd's mother informed the authorities that Todd had a record of heart problems, so much so that it had caused the denial of an insurance policy recently. So once the body was removed and taken to the deputy coroner's office for postpartum examination, the coroner began the, the autopsy. His findings were posted later that evening and determined that Todd's blood was 70% saturated with carbon monoxide, definitely a lethal, lethal dose to cause asphyxiation, and fixed, fixed, fixed her time of death to fall in the early morning hours of Sunday, shortly after her arrival home from the Trocadero. Oh. Fixed, yeah. 
This was not the only autopsy performed on her. Um, In the upcoming days, a second physician would also perform an autopsy and find that her blood level showed 75% carbon monoxide along with 0.13% of alcohol intake with the possibility of a higher percentage, but due to the amount of carbon monoxide, it would have affected the alcohol levels in her brain. But the driver said that she was stone cold sober. Stone sober. Stone sober. Wild. Yeah. So, also, she had a loose tooth in her mouth and a small amount of blood around her nose and her mouth, which could have been caused by the carbon monoxide poisoning. The blood around her nose and her mouth could have. The loose tooth was later explained that she had been to the dentist previously to have a tooth fixed and was wearing a temporary crown. This was knocked loose when she appeared to have passed out and hit the steering wheel on the vehicle. Oh, so she fell forward. Yes, that's what they're thinking. That physician placed her death somewhere between 12 to 30 hours prior to to the discovery of her body, which would indicate that she passed somewhere between... 4.30 Sunday morning and 10.30 Sunday evening, which, I mean, that's a pretty big gap. Yeah, that's a huge gap. So from all accounts, the surgeons that performed these autopsies were stating that more than likely Todd, who had been drinking, came home to being locked out of the apartment at the bottom of the hill, walked up to Roland West's home where her car was in the garage and had taken up refuge in the garage for the evening since it was cold and started the car to get warm, eventually passing out from the carbon monoxide fumes on accident. It's worth noting that somebody, somewhere I read, that the food that they found in her stomach did not match the dinner that she had that night at the Trocadero. It was different. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, don't know how that... Happened, but um, so autopsy report is released and the rumors and discrepancies come out of the woodwork. Um, once the autopsy was published, one of Todd's friends called into the detectives to let them know that she'd actually spoken with Todd on Sunday evening. Oh, okay, yeah. So Martha Ford uh recalled a phone call from Thelma Sunday afternoon between 4 and 4 30 where Todd was joining Ford at her home for a cocktail party. Martha stated that the phone rang, and when she answered on the other end of the phone was a voice who said what Martha thought was Velma. So she said, Velma who? To which Todd answered, no, no, this is Thelma. Thelma Todd, you know, Toddy. You're hot Toddy. Get a hold of yourself, toots. I love that. I love toots. I'm going to start calling you toots from now on. All right, go ahead. Okay, so um, Thelma asked if she could reach Ford's home by the Ventura Boulevard in 30 minutes, to which Ford thought that was awfully fast to reach her home from that distance. So apparently she lived a good distance away. Yeah, I feel like even in L.A., the traffic is just so... Well, the traffic is so big because it's not like a walkable... Oh, it's like going to St. Louis for us. Yes. Like, St. Louis for us, I had a friend one time that would tell me that when you tell somebody in St. Louis, I'll you don't say, I'll be there in 15 minutes. You're like, it's like 30 miles, so it takes like an hour. Right. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So, um, anyways, Todd stated that she would still be in her evening attire from the night before, that she was bringing a guest that would surprise everyone. Oh, the drive. 
the tea. The tea is piping hot. <laughs> but Todd never showed. Oh. So, in the days following Todd's death, an investigation was started to which a good chunk of our closest friends and acquaintances were pulled in for questioning. Given this was a high-profile case at the time due to Todd's celebrity status, the newspapers and town talk at the time ran rampant, as you can imagine. Naturally. Yeah, because, and I mean, again, we're in the dawn of the golden age, so, like, publicity. Yeah, the gossip columns. Was, yeah, it wasn't big until about this time, so... There was talk of seeing of her seeing a gentleman in San Francisco who might have caused her harm. Rumors ran town about her cafe and how she at one time had been stalked and been the victim of extortion by a crazed fan. So also the talk about her cafe was at the time a lot of people were trying to bring gambling to L.A. And they didn't want it. A lot of the people that lived there didn't want that. So in I mean, in the end, it didn't end up becoming a thing in L.A. And that's how Las Vegas was created. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so it got rejected in L.A. People kind of wanted like, it's kind of funny to think about. They wanted like a good home hometown feel, right? Which is not what it is at all now. No. But they didn't want that kind of like, mafia presence gambling they didn't want that stuff and so that's how we got the the formation of las vegas and so at at one time there was talk that somebody was trying to put gambling in her cafe and she was not having it wasn't having it and so they there was talk that somebody was you know Mm -hmm. causing her problems so also a lot of people were looking at her ex-husband pat DeGico and her business partner slash possible lover, Roland West. So several folks were reporting to the authorities that they had seen her driving the boulevard Sunday with an older man with dark hair. All avenues were investigated, but many didn't go any further than that. Pat DeChico, her ex-husband, was thoroughly looked at due to whispers that her and him were getting back together. Many thought that he was to be her surprise guest for Martha Ford's party Sunday afternoon, or evening. DeChico was to accompany Todd... This is a true thing. He was actually to accompany Todd to the Trocadero Saturday evening, but didn't show with the rest of the attendees. While she was partying with her friends, she had made her way to the dance floor, and while dancing with a friend, had happened to pass a table that DeChico was sitting at with another actress. Oh my gosh. What would you do? Honestly, my petty self would make sure that I am known. She handles it like a boss. I'd probably, like... Face would split off, skull would come out, and I would be pissed. I would be so mad. Mm -mm. She handled it like a boss. She stopped and chatted for a bit, making comments such as, Fancy seeing you here. You're a nice guy. You said you couldn't make this party, and yet here you are. (laughs) I would never think to say that. Absolutely not. I would be... Cuss words. Yeah, it would not be good. Mm Mm-mm. So Tachico stated that he had phoned the Lupinos to tell them that he wouldn't be joining them, yet Ida stated they never received that notification. So Todd told Tachico he should write a note to the Lupinos apologizing for his absence and also apologize to Ida. Some stated that Todd was seemingly cool with Tachico skipping this party. However, others stated that Todd nearly had a ball out and her and Tachico were seen exchanging words later in the evening. No evidence was found at the scene that would point to DeChico, so he was in the end cast out as a suspect. 
So Saturday evening, prior to Todd leaving for the Trocadero, Todd spent that afternoon Christmas shopping with her mother. She returned to her apartment where her, Roland, and her mother remained until she was ready to leave for the party that evening. She asked West if he would be joining her, and he said, not tonight, we're very busy. West had given her grief because of how tired she was from shopping all afternoon and said, be home by two, to which Todd would counter back, I'll be home by two five. <laughs> the two continued to banter back and forth as she began to leave the apartment. West did inform Todd that the door would be locked by two. Todd, however, typically had the key she needed to get back into the apartment. Before she left for the Trocadero, or before she left the Trocadero, she had West phoned to let him know that she was on her way home. The message was given to West, who stayed at the cafe the remainder of the evening and ended up sleeping in a room adjoining to Todd's apartment. West ended up falling asleep and woke later in the evening to let the dog out. Passing through the lady's boudoir that connected the room he stayed in to Todd's room, he noticed clothes had been tossed on the couch and assumed that Todd was home. He let the dog out and bringing him back in, locked the deadbolt on the door. Sunday morning, he woke and again passing through the lady's boudoir, noticed an imprint on the couch and assumed again that Todd had been there. Already woke and had more than likely made her way to her mother's that morning. West spent his Sunday doing work for the cafe and wasn't until later in the afternoon that a couple of mutual friends of his and Todd's came in when they asked where West was or where they asked West where Todd was. She had invited them to eat lunch with her, but never showed. West didn't seem too concerned and just informed the friends that she must be out and about with her mom, but she would more than likely return before they left the cafe. As evening grew near, West did get concerned, but still continued to think that Todd was out doing whatever it was she needed to do. He knew she had prior commitments and just assumed he would see her later in the evening once she returned. He entertained most of the night at the cafe before retiring to bed where he laid awake until 5 a.m. He was awoken the next morning at 10 a.m. by the phone where he was informed of Todd's death. Oh, yeah, so he probably had no idea. No idea. So, as you can tell, this is a bit messy. Todd had a lot going on, her li- going on in her life with a possible love affair, ex-husband she was rekindling love with, stalking and extortion, all kinds of things. At the time of her death, authorities were really looking at several different motives and suspects to try and piece this thing together. And we have to remember, too, that this is the dawn of the golden age of Hollywood, so publicity was becoming a thing. Newspapers and gossip columns were really taking off, so the amount of rumors and stories that were being published to the public were also increasing. We experience this now, but then this was a first. Although Thelma wasn't the first celebrity for this to take place with, and as you can guess, the bigger the stories the media put out, the more convoluted this thing got. So... Remember, her death is still up for debate. The way her story played out that night has been a topic for nearly a century. So I'm going to give you the backstory to each possibility, and you decide. So we will start with DeChico, the ex-lover. Rumors of the two of them were uh, getting back together had been going around, and the heated conversation, along with the fact that he basically stood her up the night she was supposed he was supposed to attend the Trocadero with her, always seemed to make people think that maybe he had something to do with it. Martha Ford had reason to think that he was going to be Todd's surprise guest the evening she was supposed to attend the get-together at Ford's house that she never showed up for. To make matters worse, after Todd's death, DeChico boarded a plane days after and flew to the East Coast. This looked suspicious to the authorities, even though it was during the holidays and he was, in fact, returning to the East Coast to spend time with his family. I feel like in today's world, 
Facebook would take that and run with it. Yes, they would be like, he did it. Yes. Uh, Yes. So, but, you know, the authorities, they kept eyes on him the entire time he was gone, made sure he held to his word and returned in time just in, and returned just in time for the coroner's inquisition. DeChico was cooperative throughout all of the interview processes and his timeline seemed to check out that he wasn't with Todd the early hours, early morning hours that she was last seen. So, I don't know. Yeah. Extortion and stalking. So, the gentleman that was accused of this was actually arrested and in jail at the time of Todd's death. There was a discovery later of some letters that were still coming to her even after he was arrested. And it was believed that he had someone sending them to her from the outside. But this oh. theory never really panned out past that point. Okay. Yeah. Roland West. This is the one that the public questioned for years to come. There were articles written even into the 80s, that alluded to her death as murder by Roland. Roland and Todd had a relationship of some sort. Roland swore that it was nothing more than a platonic business relationship, and she was, in fact, his best friend. Todd's own mother even commented that they were merely just friends. At the time that Roland and Todd were in a business relationship together, West was actually separated from his then-wife, Carmen Jewel. I think I called her Jewel Carmen earlier. It's Carmen Jewel. But they weren't together. It's fine. Yeah, they weren't together. They had not been in contact much much for a matter of years. Roland's wife had stated that she was aware of his feelings towards Mrs. Todd. Um, They talked about it a number of times. Even though she was no longer living with Roland, Carmen stated that she maintained nothing but the best feelings for him. He got her and she got him. So I think they just drifted apart and she began to feel isolated in the marriage. That makes sense. Yeah. So, even though Roland claimed friendship and business was the only thing between him and Todd, one of the cafe managers at the time had recalled a time that DeChico had stopped by the cafe to speak with Todd, and in an angry fit once he left, Roland had beaten Todd in front of some of the cafe staff. Oh my gosh. This was never proven, as it was just one person who made this claim. But what we do know is West did, in fact, lock the door that night. The banter back and forth between him and Thelma in regards to her time that she was to return home had many thinking he locked her out purposely to teach her a lesson for not coming home at the time he told her. Did he lock the door thinking she was back already? Or was it really an accident where he thought that she had the key to let herself back in? Why did he not report her missing the following day or even be concerned that he hadn't seen her all day? During times of being questioned, Roland's emotions seemed a bit confusing. Initially, he seemed very calm but almost, and almost in disbelief, but there were times that he would come across a bit aggressive and almost annoyed. But remember, everybody deals with this differently. Right, absolutely. You can't say that somebody's grief is the same as anybody else's. Correct. So, um, was this for a reason other than just being questioned over and over again and made to feel as though he had done something wrong when he hadn't? Years later, Roland had apparently admitted on his deathbed to the murder of Todd, but was this just another rumor to get to get the story going again? Was he angry and jealous with her over the man from San Francisco that she'd been seeing, according to some friends? Lots of questions still remain unanswered. And we'll never know. No, we'll never know. So the last one was suicide. Due to some of the comments that Todd had made at the Trocadero the evening she was last seen, had some thinking that Maybe she possibly committed suicide. 
she had made statements about how fame could affect you. And it was discussed that maybe she was feeling a bit down because she was alone. Maybe her acting career was fizzing out. This theory and rumor didn't make it very far. Todd's closest friends knew she was happy in life and that she had just gone Christmas shopping. So there were signs that she was looking forward to the upcoming days. Um, this one was another one of those that the media picked up on and tried to really run with it, but it didn't go very far. So the last possibility and what seems to be the most common answer is accident. Many think that Todd returned to the tro- returned from the Trocadero that evening rather tired and reached the apartment door to find out that she'd been given the incorrect key to get into the building. In hopes that she could wait until the morning, she made her way up the hill to Roland's house and the garage where her phaeton was parked. It was a rather chilly, windy evening, so she managed to get to the garage where, to stay warm, she started the car for heat. Remember, she'd been diagnosed with heart issues, and it's believed that while she'd been walking up the hill from the cafe, maybe her heart got too weak because she was known for having fainting spells. We all know what those are like. Not we all. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So she was wearing a a mink coat, which is super heavy. So with that, the hike up the hill, the chilled air, maybe she had a fainting spell once she got inside and started the vehicle. The fact that the car managed to shut itself off with a bit of gas left in the tank happened to be a defect in the car. It had what they referred to as a blow-by problem. So the cylinders were out of round, causing the car's oil to blow by the pistons. If the car was in idle, the compression of the piston would jet oil into the engine. It could cause a number of issues at that point, but typically it would force oil into the spark plugs, causing the car to stall. So maybe it just stalled and shut off. Yeah, it makes you wonder if the car didn't shut off because of the air that it had, would her body have been found sooner? Question. Yeah, good questions. So, I don't know. I don't know. But her body showed no signs of harm with the exception of the small traces of blood at her mouth and her nose. And that could just be the result of the carbon monoxide poisoning. So, also, there were no uh, traces of fingerprints or anything that was found in or around the car. And everything in the garage appeared to be as it normally would. So, many felt it was an accident. And I really think that's what it was. And I think LAPD actually confirmed it. I was going to say, I feel like it definitely seems like an accident to me after listening to all of the scenarios and just thinking of all of the evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's an accident. I agree. Um, So what we do know is that Thelma Todd is one of the first female uh, comedians of her time. She's very comparable to like, I love Lucy. Mm -hmm. And she was definitely taken way too soon in life. No one was ever convicted of harm to her. And if someone did happen to murder her, we'll never know. No. It's been too long. Yeah. Um, Thelma was cremated after her funeral and her mother kept her urn until her death. The two were then buried side by side. Wow, that's really sad. Yeah. So that's the story of Thelma Todd. Hot toddy. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. So next week is Thanksgiving. Yes, I think that we're going to try to record, oh, not Wednesday, on Tuesday, because I'm going to my mom's on Wednesday. Yeah, we'll have to do it Tuesday, which means you'll have to come up with an episode super quick. Yeah, I'll do that. And I think I know what I'm going to do my next one on, maybe. I don't know. Well, we appreciate everybody listening. Also, don't forget you can follow us. On YouTube. Patreon. Instagram. That's it. Yeah, that's basically it. All sources are free, though. So, you know, we get the inflation these days. 
take advantage of the freebie that we're giving you. Yeah, all of them are whispers in the basement. Um, don't forget to like and subscribe. Snaps for subscribe. We're not going to do that every episode. No, but really, for real, subscribe. So you get the first notification when we drop a new episode because we know we're really cool. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. Have a good weekend, guys. See ya.